Very um, inconsistent. Well, he's consistently inconsistent. He's not inconsistent for two weeks. The drop back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Sam Wilson. We are back. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. You are listening to The Dropback Podcast, and this week I'm your host, Stan Wilson, and I'm joined by Sam Lewis. Hey, Stan. Joe Costanzo. Hey, Stan. Happy Turkey Day. And Matt Burns-Peak. Hello, Stan. Now, this week we unfortunately received some horrible news. Joe Burrow is out for the rest of the season. He has torn his MCL and his ACL, and this obviously has severe implications for the Offensive Rookie of the Year award, but mainly for the young quarterback's career and his... um, He's opening in the league and yeah, it's just horrible to see a quarterback go down this way. Well, yeah, especially given that I think they were saying the recovery time is nine to 12 months mm. for an injury like this. And it's already towards the end of the season anyway. So not only does it end his rookie campaign, but it, it brings into question if he's going to be able to play much 2021. Absolutely. And they need to fix the offensive line this season. There's a main thing to protect the future quarterback. He might start the next season and borrow when he eventually comes back because over... The nine games that he played, he was sacked 32 times over his nine games. That's too many. Yeah, that's way too many. Bengals offensive line needs some fixing. It's the Andrew Luck situation, isn't it, really? It's the... Yeah. If they if they consistently... Obviously, it's only his first year playing, but if they don't address it this year, it doesn't show any real hope for the coming years. And I, I, I just... I hope it doesn't turn out like that where they over rely on a young promising quarterback who is exceptionally talented and we've all pointed out that he's had a great season I'd, I'd hate to see that so they definitely need to invest a lot into this draft in particular I don't know what they can get in the off season really in terms of no you rarely see, you rarely talent. see really good O-linemen actually hit free agency because they are so rare and valuable but the offensive line it's twofold for the Bengals because they haven't been able to run the ball I mean they've got a talented running back in Joe Mixon but as Joe said, the line's an absolute shambles. So they've been left with a lot of third and longs, having been unable to move it consistently on early downs in a lot of obvious throw, throwing opportunities. So they could pass rush is going to be gunning for you. Yeah. And that's the, just coming off the back of that. Like he's throwing for some point 60 times a game plus. And it's amazing that he, he hasn't actually been injured quicker in my opinion with with just the standard of o-line play that was happening it's worrying though because it is eerily similar to andrew luck especially because they don't have a defense either which is why he's having to throw so much yeah um to credit joe burrow though five out of his nine games were 300 plus yard games which for a rookie absolutely incredible obviously we've got justin herbert doing a very similar thing over in la which sort of takes away from what burrow's doing but Hats off to Burrow. He's had an outstanding rookie campaign so far, and it's just a shame to see him go down so early. Hopefully, he'll have an outstanding career. Yeah, hopefully so. But this does have severe implications for the events of Rookie of the Year conversation and perhaps brings to light some new names that we maybe have not thought about in terms of this award. So, Slew, Justin Herbert, what are his chances like? Well, first of all, I don't like how you suggested that he may be a new name and it was relying on Burrow going down. I, I had him pegged for the last few weeks. We've all spoken about how impressed we've been with Burrow. 
not Burrow, well, Burrow as well, but um, Justin Herbert. Because let's be honest, we we weren't the most high on him coming out post-draft. The best thing you can say about Burrow is that he's proved wrong the bit, biggest criticisms of him, that he couldn't move, he couldn't progress in his play reading, and he couldn't pass down the field accurately despite his big arm. And he's disproved both of those, and he's having a phenomenal campaign. I mean, I don't know if there are many quarterbacks in the league playing at a significantly higher level. He's third in the league passing yards per game at the moment it's like point two. it's like two yards behind Mahomes. yeah perhaps my turn of phrase was wrong earlier when introducing the segment but yeah he he's an absolute shock of a player like I went back earlier this week I was watching the Panacea film from last season and watching Justin Herbert obviously at the same time and he doesn't jump off out on film at Oregon at all at all and I still would have made the same judgment of him so credit to him for changing the offense changing the scheme and still exceeding. So, well, credit to the Chargers coaching staff to, like you said, the um, Oregon staff weren't able to get the best out of him. The Charge clearly shaped the offense to his strengths and getting a great season and a franchise quarterback out of him. And props to that doctor that stabbed Ty- T- Tyrod Taylor in the chest because otherwise it would wouldn't have happened. But I mean, <laughs> so I mean, we can't give the Chargers too much credit. I don't think yeah. they, they were yeah. planning to not play him until one of their staff basically assaulted Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, Dr. Herbert, we'll see you now. Yeah, I think the only knock you have against Herbert potentially winning the award is that they've got a losing record. But where, unlike the MVP, it doesn't really matter the team's record when it's been going to these rookies of the year. So I would be very surprised if barring injury, Justin Herbert didn't win the award. Yeah, and the strength of position as well is is the main the main thing here. Uh, that's why everyone was talking about Joe Burrow and and uh, Justin Herbert. Um, and just coming off the back of what you said, I don't I just don't think the the offensive scheme at Oregon did Oregon did him any favors um, to showing off his true talent. So props to the coaches for you know seeing that um, and you know rolling with it. My pick for offensive rookie of the year is not a quarterback jk dobbins <laughs> no maybe my preseason pick for offensive rookie of the year no it's uh another one that's been in, in a lot of talk justin jefferson um yeah so he's kind of emerged as really a, a top 10 receiver in the league statistically this year i would argue that i mean the point of st- statistics is you don't have to make that <laughs> argument it's there the numbers do you talking for you yeah. So let's get to the boring statistics a little bit. Just to Oh, to... you do know how to treat us good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's eighth in the league in yards after the catch, eighth in the league in yards after catch per reception, which is obviously a more accurate measurement, which leads all rookies and eighth in the league, pretty darn good. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Jeff. Uh yeah, and then we get down to so I've, I've taken some stats from Player Profiler. Uh, kudos to them. The obviously receiving yards, he's sixth in the league at the moment, eighth in the league in yards after the catch. But his efficiency is where he really shines. So yards per target, he's first, he's leading the league, uh, 14.4. Yards per route run, he's leading the league. He's third in the league at yards per reception and third in the league in target quality rating, which is basically accounting for catchable balls from the quarterback. Um, and then he's leading the league in... I think I'm going too many, too many stats here. Fuck this. <laughs> On game tape, however, 
He reminds me a lot of Devontae Adams when I look at his route running ability and his just ability to shift receivers with sort of subtle body movement and sort of looks to the side as he's, and he's running his route. One thing I think is really underrated in is um, 50-50 balls. So he's only got a 6-1 frame, but he's, he can consistently get up there and beat defenders. Um, and some people, I've heard the argument that uh, just due to that Vikings run first scheme, he is oftentimes schemed open on a lot of these plays. But in reality, if you go back and look at the tape, I would argue that what happens with Kirk Cousins, especially at the start of the season, is that he he's missing the same amount of opportunities as the scheme is giving him open. Um, and Justin Jefferson in those cases are, is still managing to you know, uh, perform with a lackluster QB at the start of the season. Even well, even though you, some, mate, I don't know, maybe you can make the argument he's being schemed open, but you still have to actually get open when you're one on one with a corner. Yeah, and isn't that isn't that what a good offense is about in the first place? Being schemed open. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you could have pun- how you can punish someone for having good coaches. Yeah, it's just one of those weird pundit things that. Oh yeah, they like to say just to just to I don't yeah, know. Well, he's being schemed yeah. open. It's like, well, isn't the whole point of being? <laughs> he's he still has to get there, be an elite athlete, and make that catch. Everyone has to be doing exactly their job, and when they're not doing it, what I'm saying is he's still managing to perform when people aren't doing their part. Of the... Yeah, he is. He is a. I mean, it's not a slight that he's also a fantastic fit for that Viking scheme, which is quite receiver friendly. If you're one of the two that they use, yeah, yeah. that's true. And what that stat showed for me, the um, the yards per route run shows, is that since his usage has increased, since his targets have increased, since his snap count has increased, that he's yeah he's essentially been more efficient than every he's other receiver in the league. Pretty much, he's yeah he's very very efficient receiver, and still is. It's not like that was when he was getting low snaps, and because teams weren't planning for him as much. Teams have to now plan for Justin Jefferson. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Now Thielen might be out for a week or two on the COVID list. Yeah, yeah he's still going to play that slot role, um, you'd think, because that's yeah. he's a slot receiver, to be honest. He I thought he's been playing quite a bit on the outside. That was a whole thing that he's that the Eagles didn't take him because they thought he was a slot guy and he's he can win one-on-one on the outside. He can do both. He did both at LSU. Yeah, um, and they run a lot of sort of twin formations. So he does play outside as well, but he, he's definitely more comfortable yeah, in the slot. Uh, however, I think just he's the best rookie receiver at the at the moment. He's obviously uh, one to get into about a potential Canadian <laughs> Mapletron, but he's <laughs> played a full season. I still season. can't take that nickname seriously. Yeah, so uh, he's he's played a full season. He's He's playing like a top 10 wide receiver in his rookie year. And I'd argue... You know, despite the uh, the you know bias, obvious bias that rookie of the year goes to the quarterback most of the time, he should be given heavy consideration for the award. Absolutely. Now, I'd like to bring to your attention: he won't win the award. However, as an undrafted rookie out of Illinois State, James Robinson has been absolutely phenomenal this season. Mm-hmm. He's he's racked up 762 yards this season so far, and he's. He's essentially he's put the Jaguars' offense on his back in stages, which no one could have seen from him. In the absence of Gardner Minshew with Jake Luton at QB, he's again stepped up. He's contributed in the passing game too, and he's just generally exceeded all expectations of him preseason coming out of Illinois State. Yeah, I mean James Robinson's been awesome, especially when you consider as well that Jags' offense has been without. 
DJ Shark for large periods of this season as well. We spoke about Gardner Minshew being injured for a while too. Like he's had to deal with a lot um, and he's just sort of taken it in stride. And he, he's so physical running the football as well. The amount of times you see him look for contacts and bowl people over is super fun to watch. Why do you think he won't win it? Do you think it's just because he's on the Jags? No, I don't think it's because he's on the Jags. I think it's because Justin Herbert exists in the f- and he's having a historically outstanding rookie season. Otherwise, he would be in the running for it along with Justin Jefferson. I think as well, what may take away from him is there are quite a few rookie um, running backs that are putting up good numbers. Yeah, the guy true. you picked at the beginning of the season, Clyde Edwards-Elair, He's been good. I mean, I don't understand how he's still going under the radar given the number of yards he keeps racking up. Yeah, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is phenomenal, but I'm saying James Robinson, he's third in the NFL in terms of rushing yards, and that's essentially what it comes down to. It's a statistical game at the end of the day. I mean... Hasn't, has Gibson got more touchdowns? Um, I'm, I'm not sure, but just ESPN, they project James Robinson to have 1,200 rushing yards at the end of the year, which in previous years may have been enough to secure him the award. Mm, yeah. obviously I think the, the problem with, the problem with Clyde Edwards Hilaire as well is I think everyone just sort of when that pick happened was just was just like oh, okay brilliant fine like he's gonna like yeah. we all knew we all expected that he was gonna he looked like such a great fit for that Chiefs offense he's gonna go play with Patrick Mahomes in the best offense of the league he's gonna be really productive which you know isn't a slight on him but I do feel that some of his great work has sort of gone under the radar because people are like yeah well that was always gonna happen or something yeah, everything that he does is amazing. People are going to be underwhelmed by because they were expecting yeah. it. And if he doesn't quite have a hundred yard touchdown kind of game, then people are like, oh, what's going on with Clyde Edwards Hilaire? He's in a perfect opportunity. Why is he not performing? Yeah, yeah it's, it's part of what he carried being the first running back taken off the board and the only first round running back taken. And it, yeah, it just takes away again from the. Um, from his production. We never would have, just going back to James Robinson for a second, just to think our reactions when they got rid of Leonard Fournette um, compared to now, it's quite eye-opening. Like I don't think anyone would have seen James Robinson coming out and performing the way he did. And to be third in the league in rushing yards as a rookie is is just phenomenal. I wasn't even aware of that. I haven't been watching much Jags film, so yeah. No, I don't blame you for that. But I think I think that's a good point, actually, Joe, because we we tend to do that, and I think a lot of new sources do as well. That when a team trades an established player, there's a lot of fallers like, oh my god, how are they going to do this? And a lot of time, this this team has seen a James Robinson or whoever day in day out at practice that the media isn't aware of. So we're all then shocked when he performs. But it's like I'm guessing the Jags saw Robinson either outperforming or performing at a very close level to Leonard Fournette throughout preseason training. Exactly. Yeah, and what the Jags did preseason as well, before they obviously released their opening day roster, is they got rid of everyone who didn't want to be on that team. Because obviously in the preseason, there was a lot of talk within the media about how the Jags could potentially be the worst team in football. And it seemed there was a negative, a negative mood within the squad itself. And they got rid of the safety Harrison. They got rid of Leonard Fournette. And they found better replacements for both those players. They got got rid of Ngokwe as well. And they found better replacements for the players within their squad. And they've they've shocked us. They've exceeded expectations. They've done better than anyone could have thought. They're not winless. They're not winless. (laughs) Exactly. They're not winless. Gardner Minshew, obviously, he's a a large part of that. But Doug Marone, credits the guy. Yeah. Fair play, play, Doug Marone. Yeah, big up Doug Marone. Yeah. They've been great at sort of unearthing those undraft free agents and 
that's going to bring me on to my pick for Defensive Rookie of the Year. You did mention him, Joe. I'm not going to throw loads of stats at you, but it's just it's Clay, it's Chase Claypool. If you if it's anyone other than Justin Herbert, it's Chase Claypool, right? No. Touchdown. Huh? Touchdown monster. Touchdown monster, exactly. Ten, ten games, ten touchdowns. What else do you want from the guy? Like he's been the best. I want I want number one in efficiency. Eleven, 11 touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you, you, you can say all the stats. But what's his but air quality? When you, look at it, when you look at it, Chase Claypool's been the best wide receiver on the only undefeated teams in the league at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a case to be made. It's, it's very close. Would you say playing better than Deontay Johnson? I'd say so, yeah. Consistency wise, Deontay Johnson's been up and down, and he's had periods where he's been, um, he had a couple of games that he missed, I think, due to a concussion. He had a few games where he dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, like you just just rubbish stat lines and you know tough matchups whatever happens I think on a week to week basis Chase Claypool has been a lot more consistent. I just realised I forgot about Smith Schuster as well when I said yeah pretty good as well yeah Smith Schuster's good but but I think Claypool has definitely outplayed him this year. Uh, the only thing I would say about Claypool is that he took a little while at the start of the season to really get going and find his his stride and I would say. In the argument between Jefferson and, and Claypool, Jefferson had a more of an immediate impact for the Vikings. I think recency bias plays a huge role, though. If, if you close a season strong, you're more likely to win an award. Yeah, exactly. True. But yeah, they're, they're the, the best team of football for a reason. He's contributed a lot to that. And yeah. I, yeah. I mean, outside of the game against um, Tennessee, I think Claypool's been pretty consistent throughout the season. And I think that comes at a good time for the for the Steelers as well, as Smith Schuster is slated to be a free agent this offseason. So potentially gives them a, a good problem to have there. Mm. Yeah, fair play. So who do we actually think is going to win this war? Because it's, it's very well it's going Justin right. Herbert. It was a stupid segment yeah. to do. It was already <laughs> It is Justin <laughs> Herbert. <laughs> but thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you for uh, backing my segment there, Matt. So we've all agreed on Justin Herbert and it was pointless listening to this segment. Thank you very much. And now moving swiftly onwards to Taysom Hill. He received his first start at QB for the New Orleans Saints in the NFL. His last QB start was for BYU in college. He started versus the Falcons in which they defeated them 24-9. And Taysom Hill, he almost hit our under-over. On our, on our page... On Saturday or Sunday, we post an under over 300 yards. He was just below with 284. So he did hit the under, but he was very close. So what do we think, lads? Good. Very good. Well, watching this, it started off a little bit iffy, um, I think, were, were my takeaways from especially the sort of first quarter or so. But you know, credit to Taysom Hill, he really grew into the game. Um, was effective as he always seems to be in the rushing game, but also impressed with his passing as well. Um, And turnover-free football from a quarterback is so, so important. And Taysom Hill, zero interceptions, zero fumbles, kept the ball safe. He did fumble. 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 One fumble. fumble. Sorry, one fumble. And he lost it. (laughs) I take it all back. Um, Yeah, I mean, by and large, I thought Taysom Hill was, was pretty impressive and especially, you know, there were massive question marks about his ability in the past game and especially second half performance. I thought he, he did a decent job of answering those, as well, especially for one start. Yeah, 
I, I just got to echo that as well. I think he struggled a bit early, very early. Some people on Twitter were going crazy. And then uh, in the second half, he really hit his stride. Uh, when you look at uh, Brian Balding, I did a very good breakdown just on the NFL YouTube uh, on his footwork and how it mimics Drew Brees' footwork. And it's obvious to see a lot of that has rubbed off on him. Um, <laughs> if you're sitting behind him for years, you're gonna something's got to stick. Um, I think he's read through his progressions really well in the second half. He often got to like his third progression on a lot of those plays. And he was short on a few deep balls, but overall showed obvious an obvious increase in arm talent. Those deep balls were weird because it's it's he almost threw them too high, which is why they didn't reach. They had a huge rainbow on those. Yeah, they were just a bit off. I don't think it was a lack of arm talent. Yeah, it was pretty impressive, though, still, the fact that he had that much um, juice in his arm. Juicy arms. It's also very telling that it was Michael Thomas's best game mm. of the season. I think it was probably the one he's been the most healthy for, though, to be fair, since the opener. But Alvin Kamara got a lot less touch as well. He didn't have a single reception, I don't think, in that game. Hill was much better at pushing it down the field. He was able to fit it into smaller gaps and then just Breeze would have just dumped it off to Kamara. Yeah, I mean, it's also the Atlanta secondary, right, guys? So, I mean... Show touched on it earlier, but I think... What impressed me most, I mean, yeah, we say we wouldn't expect him to be as accurate as a thrower, but was his movement in the pocket. The fact that he was moving up, I expected him to be one of those guys that, that when pressure comes in, he's like, right, I'm running, I'm escaping now. We did a lot of shifting away from the defender and then finding the open guy rather than just taking three, four yards on a rush. Yeah, he navigated the pocket very well. He had good awareness for the players around him and what was going on. He trusted his tackles to keep the, to keep the oncoming rushes behind him and stuff. And yeah, he wasn't afraid to step up into the pocket and find that extra space to extend the play. It was first of very impressive. I think credit has to go to Sean Payton as well for the game plan. Got a nice few QB runs later in the game to get short distance yards and did a good job of getting Taysom on the move. Oh, they did out QB play power action. so many times. Uh, before this game, um, Saints were third least in the league on play action and they used it quite a lot today with, with good success as well. I was impressed as well, though, by the fact that he was able to hit receivers, like throw them open, hit them on their yeah. breaks as well, rather than waiting for them to get open. So he, he looked, I mean, it sounds weird that we're all impressed by him doing things that a quarterback should be able to do. Yeah, because we're just not used to being a quarterback, right? I know, but, we, but he actually did look like he can be a quarterback mm. in the league. And maybe Sean Payton was right all along. He's so much of a quarterback now that ESPN have now removed him from the tight end position which means ESPN fantasy users can no longer have a quarterback playing tight end. They shouldn't have been able to in the first place, yeah. Yeah. My little brother agreed by that on the old fantasy. <laughs> Do you reckon he's got a chance to to keep the job? No. Breeze will, as well, <laughs> it's Breeze, a bit too Breeze early. Is, if, Breeze is, if Breeze is healthy, Breeze is playing. Yeah, yeah for sure. You're not going to have Breeze on the bench, are you? That's just the ultimate middle finger. I mean, maybe I think there's a good hey, chance. That was that coming Breeze... from the depths of Twitter. No, no. Breeze is out of co- Breeze is out of contract to the end of the year. Yeah, he'll it? retire at the end of the year. He's done. There you go. Breaking news. He has to retire. If he doesn't retire, out of contract every year. <laughs> no, but this is this surely has to be the year. This isn't like a Larry Fitzgerald situation where he's just like, is he? Is he? Is he? Isn't he? Mm. This has to happen. Now. Hey, he wants to play till he's forty-five. What? <laughs> Whether or not he can throw it thirty yards. It was also telling what, I don't know who the commentators were in this game, that them saying that Peyton early in the season had said that if Breeze goes down mid-game, Jameis will be the one to take over because the reason was that Hill is so involved in all aspects of a game week that he's doing special teams. They've got plays drawn up for him. 
So if he goes in at quarterback, all of that's out the window. They have to revamp, which is why he didn't play until this yeah. week. Yeah, you need to game plan for if you're starting Taysom Hill more so than I think if you're starting James Winston. James Winston is more of that sort of classic vein of uh, pocket passer that we're used to seeing with Drew Brees, whereas Taysom Hill offers you different stuff that I think you need to, was well, a fully utilised anyway, you need to plan ahead for. Yeah, you need to plan your offence around these read options, these QB powers, QB draws, all sorts of different sort of QB keeper plays, essentially. Whereas you're not going to do that with um, with Jameis Winston. He's much more similar in that, that aspect to Drew Brees. It's, it's interesting that they basically built a game plan, uh, credit to Sean Payton, within just a week installed a, a new game plan. Uh, they did obviously, like I said, lean a lot on very on a lot of the same plays. That QB power was used all the time, but then again, it was working all the time. So why wouldn't you use it? Well, you've got to imagine that they've had had Hill there for what three years or so, is it now? Something about that. So, I mean, they've probably been do having this in the back of their minds for however long. So, I mean, yeah, it's impressive that they managed to get the whole offense ready in a week, but. Let's not pretend that this was just shoved on them out of the blue. They would definitely had some ideas what they would do. I mean, at the at the point where they decided to pay Taysom Hill like like they did, was it last season when they extended his contract? Like, I think at that point the wheels have got to be turning about. We need to have this as a legitimate contingency plan if someone decides to rob Drew Brees of most of his ribcage. And all in all, if he is the franchise QB, then they've actually saved a, a lot of money on that contract. <laughs> True. Which makes me look like a dickhead because I spent most of the last week saying how much they'd overpaid for him. So thanks, Drew Brees. Well, well on Drew Brees. Now let's move on to the Colts. They took down the Packers on Sunday, beating them thirty-four to thirty-one, following a Marcus Valdez Scantling. Marquez. Marquez. No. Following a Marquez Valdez Scantling overtime fumble on a short left pass, which was recovered by DeForest Buckner, setting up. Everyone's favourite rookie kicker, Rodrigo Blankenship, for the game-winning 39-yard field goal. Not many people saw this victory coming. Do we have a little snarky comment from Stan there, the fact that he predicted the Celts to win? I thought that's what was what he was leading up yeah. to. <laughs> oh, Lex? Uh, I'm above you, you've that. You've called I'm him out on that. it, so now you're he's everything, mate. You're six for eight. <laughs> Seven, actually. One thing I, I want to say about the Colts, though, just generally this season, they're... When Darius Leonard got back after after his injury, there was a notable improvement in in their defense. Um, Xavier Rhodes has been looking like he was playing in 2016 again. He's improved an immense amount. The, the change of scenery has been really good for him. The running back situation there it seems like a running back sort of takes turns to shine with Hines and Jonathan Taylor. Um, running back hype by committee is often lead to great success. <laughs> Subsequent Super Bowl run. Yes. <laughs> um, I think it just, it just, for me, uh, the question, I guess, of whether or not they're, they're contenders this year sort of comes down to, to Philip Rivers. Uh, it's his team. You, you can tell uh, he was very eager to get back in the game as soon as, as soon as he went out of that game last week, um, kind of shouting on the sideline. He's a massive competitor and, the game kind of goes through him. If he turns the ball over seven times a game, they're, they're not going to win the game. That's pretty evident. Well, that is how football works. <laughs> yeah. I think what Joe's saying is that there's a higher chance that Philip Rivers does that than a lot of other quarterbacks. Yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
but I, I I love his drive, and I think that the team itself are very talented. I just I I, I struggle to see in the playoffs them beating the Steelers or them being the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean to be fair, before this, my biggest gripe with them that was that I didn't think they could win in shootouts or even compete in shootouts for the reason Joe said that Philip Rivers isn't that guy anymore. So they did impressive to not only hang with the Packers, but come back from a big deficit. Yeah. And snatch a win. I mean, to be fair, you could make the argument that a lot of points in this game, the Packers beat themselves. There was a few miscommunications on offense, that fumble that Stan mentioned. And it felt weird that they didn't go for it with seven seconds left with the game on the line, opting rather to take a field goal. I feel they had a chance for one more shot at the end zone. So that was a bit of an, bit of an odd one, but I mean, on the Xavier Rhodes um, thing, you're right. I mean, is it Eberflus there? How do uh, you, yeah, Matt Eberflus. Their defensive coordinator's done a fantastic job. I mean, they've got DeForest Buckner and Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams? Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard. And they don't have a whole lot of big names on defense, but they're performing at an exceptionally high level. Yeah, Rocky Sin made a lovely diving pick. Was that on, on the rec- cover two-way, sort of baited Aaron Rodgers? Well, yeah, no, he went because the, the man he was lined up against went on a slant, which meant he had to bail back out to cover the flat zone. And he managed to catch up with the wide open receiver. And yeah, the, essentially the borders came out way too late from Aaron Rodgers. But well done, Rocky Sin came back, made the diving interception, and got the turnover. Hmm. Yeah, he's been really impressive, to be fair. Yeah. He sort of caught my eye because he's got a cool name. But um, yeah, his plays pretty badass as well. I think this, as as Slew touched on as well, just this Colts defense in general has you know, at times gone quite under the radar, but have been really, really consistent and really impressive. Um, and I loved the whole narrative around uh, Darius Leonard in the build-up to this game. Yeah. Sort of taking offense to Aaron Rodgers calling Fred Warner the best linebacker in the, in the league. I mean, it's not really a direct slight at Darius Leonard, but he... he it's sort of my, it's like that Michael Jordan, and I took that personal meme. Um, <laughs> but I mean, Darius Leonard for me is the best linebacker in the league, and showed why on Sunday. I thought he was outstanding. I mean, I'd still take Fred Warner, but credits to like yeah, Darius Leonard. He... You you can't say that Darius, Darius Leonard's going to burst through your window and punch you in the face. That's true. But there's been a notable spike from from the point Darius Leonard returned to to how well this defense have been has been playing you, you can't you can't well, yeah that. he's the leader of that defense and obviously as an elite player he's going to elevate it just simply by, by being there the offense has to plan around him to a certain extent and you know he's massively helped their rush defense as well the Colts held the Packers in this game to 60 yards rushing with Aaron Jones fully healthy and starting i don't think anyone saw this one coming and although it was a shootout yeah you could argue that but it's still, it's still impressive nonetheless. This Colts rushing attack is going to get very frustrating very quickly if they don't stop holding on every single long rush, though. It must mm. be so annoying for to be Jonathan Taylor. And every time you hit a 10-yard hole, every single time there's a hold. There's a hold. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. He still managed to get 90 yards out of that game. But yeah, it could have been much, much more if it wasn't for the stupid holds which held them back. Especially how good that O-line is. It's so unnecessary. They're absolutely blowing people off the ball. Exactly. I love Quentin, I love Quentin Nelson's drive and, and sort of mauler attitude, but there was a few times in that game where it was just it was just needless sort of over-the-top holds and stuff, which negated big plays. 
It's like, come on, dude, you don't even need to do that. Bully people anyway. Exactly, exactly. Let's just uh, let's take a look at last week's drop back game of the week now, in which the Chiefs defeated the Raiders 35 to 31. Slew, I see you're happy. Yeah, I mean, we've had a game of the week that's actually turned into a game of the week. It was a game. The curse is broken, lads. No injuries, no one not turning up. It's good. I mean, keep tuned for the game of the week next week because it's going to be amazing. Yeah. (laughs) No, this this was a fantastic game and it takes a rare Sunday night game to keep me up throughout the whole thing because there's a lot of times, I mean, with a time difference here in the UK, you could have turned it off at half time, but there was you no stay chance. Up regardless, don't lie. I don't. So, like the Colts Titans game on Thursday night, I did not stay up for that. That's like the that's like the one game you haven't stayed up for all season, pretty much. Thursday night, Thursday night. If the Eagles aren't playing and it's not a good game, I will turn it off at half. The Eagles aren't going to be on prime time TV, are they? Uh, I think they're on prime time TV this week against the Seahawks. Oh god, I'm not looking forward to that. That one I may have to turn off just because I'll be crying. But no, this was a game and I was wrong because I I mean, I said that if the Chiefs scored a lot of points, this was probably lean towards them in a more of a blowout. But I'm very impressed by the Raiders' ability to stick with them the entire game. Derek Carr was the best I've seen him. Probably, was it what season? Was it 2016 when he was in that MVP conversation before he broke his leg? Yeah. Yeah, so since then, I think that's the best I've seen him play. John Gruden is doing a phenomenal job there. There are they're a real team over there, and I think they could have a good shot in the playoffs as well. Yeah, they're a really fun. They're a really fun team to watch. It all starts obviously up front with that O line and Josh Jacobs, and then you've got a whole play action game set up with Nelson Aguilar, Henry Ruggs, and Co. And of course, Derek Carr under centre setting that all up. And this season in general, Derek Carr has gone largely under the radar in terms of his production, his ability to sort of just lead that offense. Like last year, there was a narrative going around that. Trevor Lawrence was going to be the next the next Raiders quarterback. They were going to draft a quarterback in the years coming up, and it was just a bit. It was a bit ridiculous considering the talent that they have already there in Derek Carr. And yeah, he's just proved the critics wrong, and he's locked his job up safe now for the foreseeable future. He did enough. He did enough to win this game as well. There were two unfortunate drops towards the end. There was an Aguilar one. And an Alec Ingold. Seen that before. I don't want to talk about it. And he did have a really good. He did, catch. yeah. But that's that was the frustrating thing about Aglo. But yeah. you know, not the point. But there was also two Alec Ingold drops as well. But all yeah. three of those would have been first downs. I think they were all thrown on third as well, and that stalled a couple of drives that when the Chiefs were getting back into the game, so they really could have done with converting those. But I mean, there's there's not a whole lot in that Raiders game that if you're a Raiders fan, you come away feeling shortchanged with. You played well. You hung with one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. And it's a Jonathan Abram mistake at the end of the game that's cost you. I think, yeah, in this game, everyone's a winner. Yeah. Um, especially. <laughs> Obviously. I just want to give a quick shout out to my boy, Matthew Burns Peak, for calling that it was going to be a close game last week. I when told we all you guys. It was be a blowout. What am I? Yeah. And what. But what we did learn is just that if you leave the Chiefs with more than a minute left to win the game, it's not going to work. They're yeah. Gonna, yeah, they're going to win it every time, essentially, in that situation. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes, who is his old vintage self, I say old vintage self, he's just the Patrick Mahomes that we've come to know and love. Yeah, Young, he... half-billionaire self. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, before we get on to next week's drop-back game of the week, Mr. Lewis, you have some game picks for us. Oh, Mr. Lewis, I like that. 
<laughs> what, I, what I don't like is how the game picks went. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I went six and eight, but the Ooh. rest of you weren't very weren't much better. You all went seven and seven. Oh, the boy. Damn it. So not a good week all round. I mean, I don't think Stan's going to be overly upset. It, I mean, the scores are basically it's the same differential, except I'm now two points behind mm. Joe rather than one, flailing yeah. somewhat, some would say. Streaking out ahead. Oh, I mean, you, so I'm on 97, 62 and one. Joe's on 99, 60 and one. And the two to, first to hit triple digits this year. Matt Burns peak with 159 and one. And still in the lead, comfortably so maybe. Stan Wilson, 103, 56 and one. No sign of slowing down yet. Yet. Damn. 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 Or slowing down in comparative to the rest of us because he did drop from 12 and 2 to 7 and 7, but he was given leeway. Was this our worst week. Well, the, the margin yeah, I think, still I think the same between this, first and second. This, so. this, what, this was the worst week we've had. Yeah, what's yeah. going on, fellas? We all goosed it. No, to be fair, I remember filling out that. 7 and 7 is all right. I remember filling out my drop, my form, the um, the pick and sheet, and there was there was there are a few picks that I was actually certain were going to happen. It was a lot of guesswork, a lot of unconfident decision making. So I'm quite happy to come out of here. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of that this week. To be fair, there were a lot of tight games this week. Yeah, let's True. go with that. Mm. True. I'm upset that Joe doesn't keep picking the Jets because I want him to get it that one week they managed to get a win somehow. Hey, they were close. <laughs> they were close. They were very close. <laughs> they, they, I, I'll talk about it later. Stormstep. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Right, so that brings us on to next week's drop back game of the week, which is the Bills versus the Los Angeles Chargers. I'll talk about it now, Joe. I'll talk about it goddamn now. <laughs> <laughs> the Chargers conceded 28 points to the Jets. They're not going to stand a chance against the Bills offense. I'm telling you right now. It's going to be a shootout. Chargers... Yeah, well, it, it's going to be a shootout, but I think realistically, what the Chargers need to do to to beat the Bills is probably run the ball quite a lot and I don't really trust the the rushing attack of the Chargers. I do think Justin Herbert's amazing and we've seen him been in a bunch of shootouts and lose games. Uh, I think Bills coming off a bye week, that Bills offense against the Chargers defense, which has looked meh. But yeah, I just don't think coming off the back of their performance against the Jets was a great game for for Herbert and the, and Co. But that defense, I'm, I'm I'm worried about them handling the Bills. Stan and I are both miming in the background, but I'll let him take what we're both on the same track to say. The Chargers have Austin Eckler back this week in the backfield, which could perhaps sort out their stagnant rushing attack. Considering the muscle hamster, <laughs> <laughs> that's Doug Ma- Doug Baldwin, Doug Doug Martin. No, whatever. Fine. Doug Martin, yeah, Doug, Doug Baldwin, Seattle, Doug Martin is also I a muscle hamster. Doug Baldwin existed. <laughs> the Los Angeles Chargers have Austin Eckler back this week, which could and should be the end to their stagnant rushing attack. And... Hey, hey, let's Sorry? put some respect on Bellage Etoile's name over here. <laughs> Aileen Bellage has been... That is a so... fantastic fantasy name. Bellage Etoile, yeah, you can have that. You can have all, all of you listeners can have that, courtesy of us. Um... But yeah, Bellage has been pretty good. He's not Austin Eckler, like though, is week. he? He's not Austin Eckler. He doesn't have that explosion. That does. He'll be good in short yard. He's been, he's been good in short yardage, but... I just don't don't know, coming off a, a pretty long injury, we, 
Yeah, I know. He, I mean, he was sprinting it's, it's a few good, weeks ago, so hopefully, fingers he's crossed, back, he'll be he's all in right. Full practice. The thing I, I mean, is there a game that you'd want to come back for more than against that Bills rushing attack, who I'm pretty sure Stan described, rushing defence even, who I'm pretty sure Stan described as his gran could run through some of the holes that have been opened up. That that We need to caveat with the fact that gran, that Stan's gran is an absolute fucking athlete. So Yeah, she is six for eight, to be <laughs> fair. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, it's pretty uh, favourable matchup for a recently returning running back, for sure. Yeah, I thought you were still going with the grand thing. I just, I just hope she doesn't listen to the podcast, to be honest with you. But um... I hope she does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she needs props for her skills, what, man. What you... Why Put some you? respect on your grand's name, Steph. <laughs> right, moving swiftly onwards. The point that I was intending to make is that the Bills' rush defence they might as well not even turn up on some plays. They're absolutely abysmal. They rarely fit the scheme. They rarely fit the fit for the run well. And if if there's any game, yeah, you want to come back for, as Slew rightly said, it is this one. Austin Eckler, if he's in your fancy lineup and he's still practicing fully, stick him in there. I Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see Justin Herbert maybe not having to, having an actual real rushing attack. And I say, yeah, they've had good performance out of Justin Jackson and Caelan Ballage, but I, to have that sort of premier back at that Austin Eckler showed he was last year. So that's going to be interesting. I wasn't aware of that going into this, but good do to your know. research. <laughs> what research? What is research? <laughs> How do I research? So, who you got for this game, Joe? Me, you. Uh, no. It's pretty clear I've got the bills. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I still think that it's going to be, you know, a shootout potentially. But Justin Herbert does have a tendency to lose shootouts. That's because the Chargers just generally just choke it away in the last second. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. They, they, they might be leading. Um, okay, I, I, if I had to give you a score. I don't ask for a score, but go ahead. I'm going to give you a score. So, no, so when you say, "Do I have?" If I had to give you a score, you want to do this, Joe? Don't act like we're making you do it. This is his favorite time of the week. 38, 33. Wow. Nice. That fits right in the sweet spot of every Chargers game being decided by seven points or fewer. Yeah, mm. Matt. Oh, um, uh, this is. I think this is really difficult to call. I could actually see um, the Chargers nicking this, to be honest. And I know that's happens because of how impressive Josh Allen have been, has been, and you know, the Bills have been really, really good this season. Um, but like we said, that rush defence has been very, very poor. Um, and yeah, I, I like Justin Herbert's play this season, as we've already talked about at length this, this week. And I think, you know... They might be able to catch the bills a bit cold here. We know we, we've spoken about how the buys are the buy is important to be able to get people healthy and, and stuff like that. But also, we have seen teams come out of the buy not with the same intensity as they went into it. Um, so yeah, and I, I mean, I think I think Keen Allen and Mike Williams as well for the Chargers will be really big in this one. Um, and I can see the the Chargers nicking it by less than less than seven points, but in the right way this time. I know because like I said we've all been impressed by Justin Herbert everything he does but I think the Chargers are a 3-7 team and they're a 3-7 team for a reason 
And I mean, I think, and it sort of seems my opinion on the Bills is the other way. I get surprised every time I turn on the Bills and see them performing at the high level because I still think of them as the Bills. Joe, Joe signing that the charges are uh, chokers right now. I assume that's what happened <laughs> rather than he swallowed the peanut the wrong way. But yeah, I think I think the Bills win this one. I think it'll be close because the Chargers like to score points and the Bills aren't the best defensive team, but I think they should, should have too much firepower to let this one slip. Yeah, I'm going to back you here. I can't back the Chargers realistically until they sort out the, fa- the fact that they just choke away games in seemingly easy positions to win. I'll be backing the Bills in this one. So if it goes like last week, this means that Matt was correct and the Chargers are going to win. That's so, a big guarantee. For no, put your bets on now. Oh, but when the fun stops, stop. Don't say that until we have a sponsor. <laughs> That's true. Just keep, just keep gambling your life away. And if betting companies do want to sponsor us, feel free. And that is unfortunately all we have time for this week. And if you want to go and check out our socials, you're more than welcome to. On Instagram, we are at the Dropback. On Twitter, we are also at the Dropback. Facebook at the Dropback UK. And our website is www.thedropback.com or .co.uk, where I've posted a new article. Yes. Highlighting the early evening Thanksgiving games that we are all blessed with on Thursday night. If you can count Dallas Cowboys and the Lions as a blessing, that is. But until then, I've been Stan. I've been Sam. I've been Joe. And I've been Matt. See you next time. Peace. The Drop Back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, Joe Costanzo, and Sam Wilson. If I was real, I was real on it as I was saying, I was like, I'm gonna have to describe what these stats mean. I can't be bothered.